0: Evolutionary.org, hardcore podcast coming your way. Episode 159, Melvin Anthony, Steve Smee here in the MOPS. How you doing, buddy?
1: Good. Nice weather over here, kicking ass, taking names, and ready to roll on this podcast.
0: So this one, guys, we're doing Melvin Anthony. He's a very interesting guy, former IFBB pro bodybuilder from Cali. He had a tough childhood. He found success in bodybuilding, has some ups and downs. We're going to talk about all this stuff. We're gonna go over his, his life, his highs, his lows, speculation on what steroids he used. Stats wise, he uh, two hundred fifty five pounds at just five foot seven. He was an absolute beast: uh, fifty seven inch chest, thirty inch waist. Uh, one of the most incredible physiques that you'll see um, in his peak. So, early life very interesting. Monster and I were kind of going over some of the, the different things he went through as a kid on the pre-show and some of his mentors that he dealt with. But he was born in 1973 up in Sacramento. Uh, that's not the part of, it's not the glitzy part of California. Sacramento is more inland. It's more of a boring town. It's got, it's not at the beach. It's not where bodybuilding was born from Southern California. So really, there's not much to do there. And a lot of people, they kind of succumb to the lifestyle of drugs, gangs, and find it really hard to survive. A lot of his friends growing up either ended up dead or in prison. So when you're around all that, it makes you very crime-hardened. And he looked up to some of these older guys, you know, who, who were tough. And to get tough, especially when you're a shorter guy, he started to train bodyweight exercises. He built up a nice physique by the time he was 15 years old. You can always tell someone has really good genetics for weight training. They'll start weight training. They'll start doing body bodyweight exercises at a young age. And then they'll really blow up. Like within months, they'll start getting muscle definition. And it's really encouraging when that happens. When it doesn't happen, that's when you see people quit because they're like, yeah, I'm wasting my time. But this is a guy who had tremendous genetics. One of the, um, he met ended up meeting, uh, and Mobster brought it up to me on the pre-show. One of his mentors around that time was John Brown, who also mentored other bodybuilders. Um, And Mobster, you can kind of get into that a little bit. And let me just finish this up by saying he was in high school He was ahead of his peers and was able to excel at football. He turned that into a scholarship to play football in college. So that's really cool. And that gives you a shot at a education when you're able to use your talents to excel and use that as a scholarship to get through college. He had a football injury, unfortunately, cut his career short. He went to weight training full time and he set his sights on competing. So in uh, 1993, he got third place at Musclemania, and he placed at various small competitions be- before taking a break for a few years. So i you want to touch a little bit on, about his childhood and John Brown? Tell, tell the listeners who John Brown is a little bit.
1: Yeah. Jo- John Brown, I mean, I've done all stuff in the beginning. So as you say already with the childhood and stuff, he actually mentions in, in another interview that some of his buddies have gone to prison for life. So there's the lifestyle that you're talking about right there. Uh, where where that journey and a place that you can go to is so bad that guys are dead, as you said, and 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 are and, and are not going to see the outside no matter what. So that's how crazy that stuff has gone. John Brown, changing it is 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 one of those people that other guys in bodybuilding should know about because he's one of those people. I think Jay Cutler probably is the closest that we have to this now. With the CEO of bodybuilding and John Brown was one of those guys that took you under his wing. And pretty much, I i think there might be a couple of Caucasian guys in there, but most of the fellas that he took under his wing I mean, Steve Michelak would do this as well. It was an African American thing, so we had Sean Ray. I can't remember, but I'm, I'm fairly certain there was a couple of other guys that ended up being IFBB pros. And with, like Steve Michelak, was one of those ordeal by fire. If you could get through the workout with John, you was a John's buddy, and then he would teach you the fundamentals. But especially what John John Brown was known about uh, even outside of that, was being an absolutely amazing poster. When the whole Michael Jackson moonwalking stuff was things that we're doing. When you see these guys, I think there's an element even with Melvin of having some kind of dance, street dance background. Again, Kai Greenish. And I think he mentions that in a in, in in video that we refer to, the RX Muscle video. So that with John telling you about stage presence and, and you know this from any bodybuilding competitions you've ever watched, Steve. And I think this is where John was amazing. And if he was able to pass that on to these other fillers, then that made them amazing. And of course, Melvin's a very good ar- argument for that in terms of his posing ability. He was considered at the time that he was doing his best on stage, one of the best posers. The, the Vince Brown, I think Vince Taylor, sorry, would be one of those guys. So what you're looking at is someone that gets your attention, someone that gets the audience going. I know professional bodybuilders, and I can think of one off the top of my head who should remain nameless, where they make up the routine as they go on stage. They kind of know what they're going to do. They kind of know they've got their music, and they kind of know how long it needs to be. But they're not practicing their posing. I can think of Flex William really, when we've done in a previous podcast where he hated posing he wasn't holding the poses for long enough you can find that video online he was supposed to do a 10 count he was getting to eight you've got so dorian yates says he could do the the the, the uh, standing relax pose for an hour and he wanted to give the impression that he could do this shit in his words all day right so you have that these guys are next level you've got from blokes making it up blokes that can do the basic six and the standing and relax a lat spread a double bicep, whatever to a reasonable level, and then you'll get someone that comes out and grabs you, the whole of the audience, by the balls, with the right tune, with the right moves, and it's an event. It suddenly becomes something more than just a bloke showing his chest, his arms, his legs, whatever. Here's my best quad shot. Here's my best tricep shot. No, 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 no. It's that and then something else on top. It's what the. If you've ever been to a competition, you've ever watched this, it's a foot stomper. The crowd go crazy. They don't want you to go off stage. And Melvin had that. And John Brown was the man that taught him that. And it's one of those kind of stage presence, how you walk out onto the stage, how you get the audience's attention, how you act Arnold-esque like you are already the winner. These kind of elements is what John Brown was putting across. And of course, he was showing you that if you wanted to be a pro, you had to train like a pro. You didn't just go to the gym and do what I do or do what you do, Steve, or whatever when it comes to training. He says, listen, if you want to be a professional bodybuilder, if you want to get that absolute maximum out of your physique, do this workout, keep up with me, show me you've got some rules and we'll take everything you're doing to the next level. We'll turn you from a good genetic freak into a stage monster. And as you say, 50 plus inch chest, 57 inch chest, and a 30 inch waist. Listen, a 10 inch drop, that'd be a 40 and a 30, is good. 15 is the kind of V that every person will notice. A 27-inch drop is mind-boggling, and it's just right out there. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking there's, some, there's very few 60-inch chests. So Melvin had a tiny, tiny waist and was able to put this stuff across and then put that, that combination of stage presence and being able to pose from John. Fantastic. Back to you.
0: Let's get into his, comp, his career, guys. <clears throat> he took a little break from the grind. Then he was ready to take things to the next level. He uh, failed to get his pro card. He got second place at the 1998 NPC USA Championships, and he was really pissed off about that. He refused to give up, though. Next year, he won first place easily. He wasn't even close. So he got his pro card. Now he's ready to roll. He competed throughout the 2000s, top 10 at Arnold Classic, Grand Prix, and the as Champions. He got 2001, uh, Mr. Olympia, 11th. 2003, he got ninth, 2005, he got 7th. 2006, 5th. 2007, 6th. And 2008, 6th. So this guy, you know, we're talking top six, uh, three straight years. Top seven, four straight years. And top nine, five straight years. With a with a break off in 2004. So this guy, legit. This guy is legit. Um at the time and we're going to talk about what happened Yeah. in um to kind of break his streak so uh okay so uh let's see uh, social media following he seems to be catching up to it um he did end up getting going to prison that's someone the cat out of bag on that one so we're going to talk and uh, talk about that but he has kept up with it after he's out of the uh, prison um one of the cool things too there's a video of him posing he's considered to have the prettiest physique since flex Wheeler. That was a quote, um, given to him. So we'll get into, um, his nutrition and training really quick mobster. And then we're going to talk about what happened, uh, his downfall. And, and then we're also mobster is going to give his, um, a little bit of a, opinion on the situation yeah. as am I about, about what happened to him. So, um, Being in terms of, in terms of nutrition, now, Anthony said initially he believed in just fats and proteins and avoided carbs entirely, but he changed his mind as he gained more experience and says he should have always eaten carbs too. So in, in my view on this, guys, you know, carbs aren't your enemy. Bad carbs are your enemy. There's a difference between a sweet potato and brown rice, okay, and white rice cooked in vegetable oil and cake and ice cream, okay? Because those are carbs. So there's a difference. And there's a difference between raw oats cooked in water and raw oats that sugar. are, I yeah, that sugar. you add tons of sugar to yeah, and you yeah. add uh, cream to and you add all this other crap that they add in these uh, uh, fake oats you know that you buy from the grocery store to come in cardboard boxes so you have to differentiate between the bad carbs and good carbs do not treat carbs as your enemy you have to treat carbs legit carbs those are fuel for your body especially as an athlete and you should learn to not be scared of carbs so mobster give us your opinion yeah,
1: jump in on the nutrition side of things here yeah. i think one of the, the the elements that was around at the time that he was competing and probably where he's getting his dietary advice to begin with, and perhaps even ignoring, again, that mentor of his, John Brown, is some of the guys were mucking around with stuff like tuna and, and, and skinless chicken or whatever else. But they were, as you said, it got to the point where people got confused about the whole carb thing and completely took that out of the diet. So what you ended up with, guys, is you're building, you spend nine months of the year building up, adding muscle, adding muscle, putting a better picture of your body, so it's, you know, full of, full of width on your back, et cetera. And then dieting, everything away and then even if you were lucky and fortunate especially with these peds to maintain that muscle tissue you come on you came on stage looking like a sort of stringy version and you were ripped you were dry but th- there was something lacking there was something missing now obviously insulin was used around this time and we'll get into the peds in a minute but what you're what you're looking at is that pop that fullness and the trick which is 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 real real difficult and you've got to know your body and if you are working with someone they've 100% got to know you really well, is doing that manipulation of almost drawing you out to that kind of stringy look and then, bang, put the carbs in and everything swells up. But you want that paper-thin skin, the tissue-thin skin, et cetera. And here's where he's probably gone to an extreme with his diet and realised, hey, I actually needed carbs, even with the fats, the healthy fats, versus just having – crap. I mean – we could talk about nutrition all day, but for example, you guys, we talk about this on the forums constantly. If you're going out for meals, sauces, stuff laden with glucose syrup, sugar, why is sugar in the like, top three, four ingredients when you're having a meat dish, that kind of stuff? When, when you're having ready meals, all those kind of things. This is not the bodybuilder's way to do it. And, it's, and I mean, we could talk about mac- nut. we could talk about healthy oils, healthy fats, this kind of stuff. You, it, it, it is a bodybuilding and dieting could be an extreme lifestyle, and there's a million bodybuilders out there have made this mistake and then realize what they should have done. Water manipulation, taking uh, when you're only sipping water, yeah, that kind of silly stuff. You can't be doing those kind of things and expect to bring fullness, roundness, tissue, thin skin, etc. The, 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 the ultimate look on stage. This is a top professional bodybuilder, as Steve says, top seven, and still making those kind of mistakes. Finally realizing that there should have been some carbs in it. it. even if it's carbs out and then carbs in at the right time, Steve. That's the trick. and that's why becoming a pro bodybuilder or, or, or that kind of high level competitive bodybuilder can be hard work. It's good to learn these things in advance of you. Who wants to make those mistakes on stage, Steve? Training is something else. I, Melvin was never known to me as someone that stood out in the magazines, in terms of his training, I can't think really off the top of my head, and i will be honest—I didn't go and have a look uh, of any particular videos that stick in my mind. With battle for the Olympia or whatever else, where Melvin's kind of training stood out to me. There was no huge weights and whatever else. From what Steve's already said, and you can take this as a given, when we've got a bloke that's ended up with a muscular physique that looks like a bodybuilder to the average Joe when he's just doing bodyweight training, and then goes to work with someone of the, of the level. Of, of a John Brown who's got Mr. Olympia competitors amongst his pupils, you already know that you're talking about a genetic freak. I mean, it's just a chest difference is a, a great example. He could be fat, but with that tiny waist, he's going to look freakish. So we're not talking about someone here who needs to do a special kind of training or needs to do his heavy weights to look good. What well, His number one thing, of course, would be dietary manipulation, which we just addressed, and presentation, and that's where Melvin kicks ass more than anywhere else if we get into the next part which was just about to do in terms of the rest of his lifestyle and background etc and the mistakes that he made we can see that being a great bodybuilder on stage is not necessarily what you're talking about in the rest of your life back to you steve
0: yeah for sure guys so let's get into kind of the darker parts of his life and going to prison. So starting in 2015, Anthony had a rough couple years with the law. He ended up moving to Mississippi to take a job working at a hotel, and he had a job opportunity there. He got caught driving under the influence and with meth, along with firearm charges. In 2017, Anthony was again busted, this time for distribution of a controlled substance, which was thought to be ecstasy and also for possession of a firearm post felony conviction. Since he had a criminal history and Mississippi isn't a very forgiving state when it comes to drugs, this time he got nailed for 10 years. Now, um, I followed up on this. He got released in 2020. He served around three years of that sentence. And he says that his sentence was marijuana and pill related and he has paid his debts to society. So since then, he got extremely upset with friends who talked badly behind his back and spread false rumors about a situation. He went on Dave Palumbo's show. He called out his haters and said the reason he got hammered so badly in courts was he refused to snitch. So Dave appeared his bet to not to step on eggshells in the interview because it seemed like Dave was like, <laughs> really scared to say the wrong thing. I that, know
1: why. Right? So <laughs> are kind
0: of, yeah. All right, tell us, Mopsar, your theory on this.
1: This is one of those life lessons that we address in these podcasts, guys. This stuff's real, real, real simple, right? Melvin alludes to the fact there was other bodybuilders that have been done for. I mean, come on, history of bodybuilding one hundred and one, right? And we talked about this in podcast. I know my shit from like Sandow onwards. I had more of the stuff, especially what I've been reading recently, talks about the nasty, dirty stuff. Listen, it's human beings doing stupid shit. It's not specific to bodybuilding. Mel- Melvin being a bodybuilder had nothing to do with his crimes. Right? And, and, and if you're just a, a, our listeners, let's say we have 100,000 listeners, right? That would be a good, that'd be a good uh, YouTube hit for right there, guys. Let's get the numbers up to 100,000. Listen. Three, four, eight, seven, eight thousand, something like that. Of you going to do criminal stuff. And I don't mean speeding on the on the on the freeway and not putting your seatbelt on or smoking a joint or something like that. Some of you guys would have been arrested, some of you guys would have been prosecuted. It's the nature of the beast. Now, how you respond and react and all that kind of stuff. So Melvin alludes to in the Dave Palumbo interview: other bodybuilders being investigated, other bodybuilders arrested. There was one mystery pew where they came and arrested like 10 or 12 guys. And he mentions the name. He says Dennis James in the RX Muscle interview. And he talks about it being interviewed. And, and he says, we know, for example, I think even uh, Ronnie Coleman had to give a statement to the police, this kind of stuff. And it was all to do with where they brought steroids from, who distributed it. It was probably one of the ones that referred to in the previous podcast, Steve, when we talked about that particular gym with the stuff upstairs and a very well-known social media guy with the downstairs in his gym and the stories were being distributed upstairs. And, 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 you know, like business buddies and all this kind of stuff. So, listen, shit happens. What he kind of got angry about was, and this is something as a life lesson, if you guys get arrested, and it may be you're completely innocent, some of your friends, or as he put it, some of your so-called friends will go, what the hell, mobster got arrested? What the hell, Steve got arrested? Maybe he's guilty. I've always known he's a bit dodgy, and they, st- they, they blank you on social media. they stop talking to you. They go quiet when you go to the bar and all that kind of shit. And Melvin was like, what the fuck? I went to prison. I put my hands up. He admitted two of the offences. He says he, he says uh, admitted the first two, which was the driving under the influence and intention to distribute. And was, uh, uh, so obviously they found him guilty on the third and was given the two current 10-year current sentences. But people judge me. People shouldn't judge me. Well, they're going to judge you, Melvin. That's the nature of the beast. They'll judge me. They'll judge Steve, they'll judge our listeners. If you get busted, as the phrase goes, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. That's number one. Number two, people will judge you 100%. You'll probably make your mum cry. It's shit. This is life. This is what happens. And if you come from the background that Melvin was in, it's almost kind of like, how, how did he not get into trouble? And one could even argue, Steve, that he, as he says, Buddies, if he's a dead, they're either overdosed or been murdered or they shot other people. And some of his buddies are never going to see daylight. They're never going to see freedom. So that's the life he could have led. As it was, he didn't actually go that bad or that crazy. Part of the problem, and here's another aspect to it, you want to be pro bodybuilders, guys. You want to be on stage competing. You want to get a sponsor. You want to be an ambassador for something. Trust me, 99.9% of them contracts that you're going to get you fuck up like this, you lose the contract. And a lot of the time, again, 99.9% of the time, the contract is worth more than the money you'll win. Melvin, and I guarantee that Melvin was getting paid a lot more for, uh, especially guest, uh, guest posing, the great poser that he was. Let's say he was getting six figures a year, then just for being top six, top seven in the Mr. Olympia. He wasn't winning six figures. You go to prison. That six-figure contract's gone. They're not waiting until you come back out of prison. So, yes, people will judge you. That's life. Sometimes your buddies will want to know where you got the money for the new car when you're always telling people you you got no money. It's all of that kind of stuff, right? You need to man up. And I think there's an element when he's talking to Dave of that as well. And the eggshells, which I kind of agree with, with, with Steve Smith, is simply, I mean, without going too deep, Dave's been to prison. John Romano has been to prison, Arnold has been investigated, the sexual harassment stuff, there's a million things out there and Melvin's on the inside track, he knows this stuff. So his kind of bugbear was, hang on, I go to prison and all you guys are judging me when I know the shit about you guys. I've been to those parties with you. I've heard about the investigations. I know the names of the people that have to give statements. How come this guy didn't go to jail? So, yeah, there's a kind of anger to it. I understand, but Melvin, it's like, man, you got caught cold. You were doing what you were doing. You admitted you were doing what you were doing. You had a felony conviction and you carried a piece when the felony conviction made you carrying a piece previously with a license. Now suddenly it's illegal because you're not meant to have a piece because you've had a felony conviction. So it's do that stuff. But, guys, it's quite simple for me, really. It's manning up. We, none of us know how we're going to be if we're ever in that situation. I can sit here and spat nonsense till the cows come home, right? And I don't know. I've, never, I've, I've, been, invested, I've been interviewed under caution. I've had police here over the psalm swing, George mentioned on the forum. It ain't fun. Trust me, it's not fun. And the movies and TV make it out to be a certain particular way. But this is real life. Melvin went to prison. That's real life shit happens in prison it doesn't even if it's a good prison it's not nice being in prison it ain't like the Shawshank Redemption. it ain't like it's it's not it's not nice guys you're missing your family your friends all this other kind of stuff that you're doing so trust me this is not easy stuff to deal with Steve
0: yeah so yeah I've had so so many thoughts uh why you're doing that so I'll give a couple thoughts on this. The first one is this just shows you that bodybuilding doesn't pay. This guy was sixth place at Mr. Olympia for six, seven place for three, four straight years. And he still has to do something to make ends meet. He still has to work at a hotel. And those of you who know, you don't make money working in the hospitality industry, unless you're way, way, way up top. Okay. And even then it depends on where you're working. Cause a lot of hotels, you know, they go out of business, they get bought, you know, every time there's new management, they come in, they fire everybody. They want to bring in their own people. So he had to resort to doing some illegal things. And when you're in bodybuilding, guess what? One of the easiest things to do in bodybuilding is selling things that are scheduled or illegal because you are already all the people that you're networked with. There's a demand for this stuff. So guess what? You're going to do these types of things. And during the course of it, you're going to get greedy. And when you get greedy, that's when you get busted and that's what happened to him. So the lesson is here, you know, bodybuilding doesn't pay. So if you think you're going to become the next Melvin Anthony and get top 6 at Mr. Olympia and get all these sponsors and all this stuff, it doesn't always happen. Now some of these guys, they don't even get top 20 Mr. Olympia and they have such a huge social media following that they've built that they can basically live off of that. But he didn't he doesn't have that. So for him he had to resort to other things just to make ends meet. And bodybuilding doesn't pay. It's almost like he wasted his time doing bodybuilding for nothing. You know? And all along he should have just stayed in college and finished his degree and went and got a normal job and just said, forget bodybuilding, because it's it sucks the way it is. I can think of so many different careers. The same thing happened. Doctors going to become a doctor. The amount of debt you accumulate to be a doctor makes it. Not even worth it. And a lot of doctors now, you ask them, you know, do you regret going to medical school? They're like, yeah, hell yeah, we regret it. I'm $300,000 in debt. I'll never pay it back in my lifetime. It's just going to, I'm going to have to keep paying it, keep paying it, keep paying it into my 60s. And they're like, well, I could have went to business school, got an MBA and, and you know, worked at some big financial company and made you know 200,000 a year and been been that would have been better than been being a doctor and making half a million a year and having all this debt that I can't pay back. So it's the same thing. So you guys you have to just kind of realize life isn't fair, man. And yeah, Melvin got a, a bad deal. I think I understand his anger. He got busted in the wrong state, Mississippi. When you're an African American getting busted in Mississippi, you're going to get the book thrown at you. You know, and that's just the way our justice system works. So, and in in Bob by, by, uh, Mobster mentioned these other guys; they all have the same thing, and then they're giving him shit about it. It's hypocrisy at its finest. And those are supposedly his friends, so that might be why he he was he went on Dave Palumbo's show and was so angry, and because Dave knew, yeah, I'm I'm one of them.
1: So, I'll I'll address one verbal point, guys, right now. Typically, steroids are not what they call a gateway drug. Gateway drugs is essentially where you start on this and you end up on a crazy, stupid shit. You know, you you have a little bit of speed, some methamphetamine, you go out and you're partying, and the next thing you know, you're doing crack. Right, so that's the argument with gateway drugs, that they're supposed to be a step to this thing and this thing that gets worse and worse and worse. The argument might even be the same again in terms of criminality. And the problem here, of course, is his background, his upbringing, who his friends and his mentors were on that side of things, outside of bodybuilding so arguably there you get into the world well, it's easy money right but here's the reality if you're bot, if you like training you like lifting and you're okay with the idea of using performance hearts and drugs you kind of shouldn't really get into this side of things steroids are not typically a gateway drug however there is an issue and i'm thinking i'm referring mostly to the younger guys here uh, at the 18 to 25 year olds. you shouldn't be using steroids at all of course and it's quite simply this we kind of sometimes on the forums give the impression that we're super comfortable, mostly because we're trying to be as informative as possible, talking about stories, talking about taking stories, talking about injecting stories, orals, you name it, whatever. Occasionally, and it's not something we see a lot of on Evo, really, when we talk about site enhancement, that's not really something we're into. And of course, we warn you off of certain particular drugs, DMP being a favorite one that we don't like anybody to use. But the problem is that we kind of constantly, and that's our job, that's what we're on, the, we're on the forums as moderators, it's kind of our job, it's what we do, we're not We're not getting paid a salary, but it's what we do, we give advice on these podcasts, on the forums, about using performance enhancing drugs, but it can give the impression, especially if you're young, that it's no big deal, and of course, we're the other way around, we actually turn around and say to you, listen, you shouldn't be doing any of these things until you're 25 years of age." And therefore, If you're reading our stuff on the forums when you're under 25, it should be for research only. And don't get the impression that everything in bodybuilding is drug-related. Don't allow that to cloud your thinking from performance-enhancing drugs into everything else. I hate the word partying because I don't think people are talking about putting a record on and dancing around their front room. It's about taking drugs. And the problem is you sometimes have, especially when you're younger, you're in that situation, not only you're a bodybuilder thinking about taking performance and dancing drugs, but you're going to a, and I use the quotes here, party and taking recreationals. When you're taking Xanax just to get through an exam or to do an S, then drugs becomes a B or an end endo. And then it's, then you're in a situation without you even realise, and especially if you come from Melvin's teenage upbringing, from that background, all your buddies are street guys. Then, then it doesn't become a big deal. And then you get busted and then you bring this stuff down. And of course, there's the element, I mean, Ronnie Kahn was a good example again, of being a top professional bodybuilder, taking drugs, maybe prescribed to you by a doctor, but probably not, and it's okay. And everybody that you're competing with was in the same boat. So therefore, as Melvin kind of infers again, Everybody around you is doing something, even if it's a small crime, even if it's not really considered to be a crime, but is a crime, and they're cool with it, and you get busted, and you're not cool. So there's a certain double standard there. Let's get into his PED use and what he would have used to become a bodybuilder of the 90s and 2000s, Steve, and how he would have had that amazing shape.
0: Yeah, really incredible. Just the stats on paper show... I mean, because I'm 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 close to his height, and I can't imagine being that much weight and He's still being trim. trimmed. Yeah. That's just an incredible amount of muscle mass. So, you know, we think I, I'll straight up say it. You know, at his peak, one of the best bodybuilders of his time, Officer, one yeah. of the absolute yeah, best. That
1: waist differential, Brian yeah. Buchanan's the only person I can think of. That waist differential is crazy.
0: Oh, it's ridiculous. Thirty-inch waist and being that wide, it's yeah. just incredible. Um, so. During the late 2000s, some of the steroids that were out there that guys were messing around with, um, they had a pretty good feel as to what worked. I feel like it was a very aggressive time to use steroids. And I actually think that the steroid cycle that we're going to talk about for him may be even a little conservative. Yeah, you know, He may have actually went more aggressive. I think there, this was kind of the around the time where guys were running – an incredible amount of steroids so now you see another reason why he had to resort to these other uh financial ways because to afford a Mm. cycle like this there is that yeah and i'm going to kind of take a stab after we're done with this as to how much a cycle like this would have cost uh to run something like this but right off the bat a little bit of testosterone they were not guys are not afraid to run testosterone you're running enough things in there to dry you out you're running enough things um, antiestrogens is something they messed around with as well, um, and so testosterone would be okay. Back in the seventies and eighties, they didn't take testosterone because they didn't have access to antiestrogens. But in this case, six hundred milligrams a week testosterone, and then dropping it ahead of the competition would have been something that they would they would do in the late two thousands. Another one that they, they were using around this time: Monster Trenbolone. And this is the kind of game changer for you to be that height and that size and be that lean. Trenbolone is the king of all steroids and 1500 milligrams a week is an insane dosage, an absolute insane dosage on 300 milligrams a week of trembolone, I'm dying on the stuff. I'm dying. The side effects are brutal, especially four or five weeks in. And by week seven, I'm like, oh, I can't take this. I can't stand this stuff anymore. I need to get off of it. You just feel like a pressure cooker in your body at all times. And it sucks. Okay. So he's running 1,500 milligrams a week and running all this other stuff. Oh, man, it's an absolute brutal, but we got you got to do it. If you're going to keep up with your peers, you're number six at Mr. Olympia at this time, with as competitive as it was in the late 2000s. You're running tremblon. The other one that they're going to be running, Masteron, twelve hundred milligrams a week, over a gram. Mastron is a hardener. It's going to harden your muscles up. So it's kind of it's kind of mandatory to run Masteron because Masteron doesn't come with brutal side effects, and you can run a lot of it, and it does a really great job. And then the fourth one. i want to talk about i'll bring mobster in is going to be anovar 150 milligrams a day anovar is another more mild steroid but at that dosage it's going to brutalize your liver we had someone post their liver results they ran anovar i think for what it eight or ten weeks mobster and they posted their blood work
1: and their blood the top of my head 100 milligrams i think as well
0: yeah Yeah. and their their blood work showed that their um, liver was about, I think, two or three times higher than the max range on their blood work. So Anovar alone messes with your liver, much less running it with all this other stuff. So you can imagine what kind of pressure the organs are under when you're on a cycle like this. So 150 milligrams of Anovar, guys, not unheard of. You got to do what you got to do. And Anovar is something that they would have taken here as an add-on. So, Mobster, uh, you want to kind of go over the other stuff and what else do you think he would have been running?
1: I'll, I'll have a quick thought about the trend just for a second here, and the high, high level's perfect. As you said, it's almost, almost a moderate cycle, as you said, for professional use. I'm just thinking of the element with trend, and we see this occasionally. I think you really have to be predispos- predisposed for this with what we call P.E.D. influence decision-making. And I think specifically here, trend is one of those drugs that for some people, if you're predisposed and you're kind of like, oh, the trend made me do it, maybe some of the decision-making can come in and be questionable. We see occasionally, and it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, guys, where we see posts on the forums, and not just on our forums, but other forums, although I was on the trend and I was shagging everything. I was on the trend and I got a constant woody and I was always looking at different women, old women, young women, you name it. Right, and and, and Tren is one of those drugs that can maybe do that to you. Now, on the Masteron, and the next drug that we're thinking about here, with 125 milligrams a day, which is still quite high for winstrol, These two drugs together are kind of like polishing drugs. If, and, and, and again, we're talking about a competition cycle here. What he might have run the rest of the year, I couldn't say. And I, I would hate to think that he was on 1,500 milligrams a year, all day, uh, every day, every, a week, sorry. Uh, year round. I, I, I can't see that. I think it would have just made him such an awful person just for himself to be around, never mind anybody else. So yeah, this is a competition cycle. So with the Masteron, it's a polishing drug. Winstrol is a polishing drug that they can they can make your physique look a certain way. And again, you have to have your genetics. You have to be lean. The diet's got to be on point. You can't just take these drugs and suddenly have thin skin and look like a professional bullet. That really isn't how it works. From around that time, and the supposition here is for example, we know that HGH, the numbers were starting to creep up. Now, in some of the cycles we've addressed in other podcasts, we've talked about 40 plus IUs a day. But we were only seeing that really around the 2010s to 2020s when those numbers starting to creep up. And if anybody was doing that before, they weren't making a big noise about it. So here it's a relatively high, and again, I think we're talking about competition here, especially in the last few weeks. Certain drugs wouldn't not still be in a cycle in the last few weeks like steve said with a testosterone so 25 i use the day of hgh thinning the skin getting the body fat down keeping him conditioned keeping him healthy in terms of his connective tissue uh gut repair etc cetera, etc cetera. and the last one and again these numbers started to creep up probably towards the end of his time on stage which will really insulin i've actually added here steve diuretics on the insulin it's almost a reasonable amount. And this is why we said it's kind of almost a moderate for a professional bodybuilder cycle. 12 IUs a day. We, we have seen bigger numbers. It also ties in with the earlier comment about him realising that carbs weren't that bad. Of course, carbs and insulins like the golden key in terms of whatever. I did include stevia diuretics, not something that's mentioned in the cycle, but almost certainly would have been included for something a professional bodybuilder would have been using around that time.
0: Yeah, I'm, again, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna add diuretics definitely to it as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think.
1: The article, yeah, because the, 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 it, I can't really remember. And again, I'd have to go back and double check on my research, but I can't really remember him being properly out of shape. He was not necessarily the best bodybuilder because he didn't win. He wasn't top one, top two, top three. But his presentation of what he did have was so on point even a little bit sloppy in terms of melvin and he was never that kind of person with that drop on the chest the waist is always going to look good on stage being able to present it is what got him those extra points and kept him in the top 10. so but so we're not talking. funny enough again I, I, if we'd have seen him on a thousand milligrams of testosterone and if he'd have held the testosterone in him too long you'd have seen a sloppy looking Melvin on stage you never really saw an out of shape you never really saw someone whose belly was sagging You never really saw someone who let their belly hang out and didn't control their waist and whatever else. You never saw that with Melvin. You didn't see someone that was holding water in this place or that place. So the manipulation of the water, that competition polish. And it's one of those things, Steve, where the numbers here could be very minor, a little bit up or a little bit down. And you'd see, and a lot of guys, you would see an almost different physique. We see guys when they're like six weeks out, when it's actually three weeks out. And you go, he's got three weeks to go, but he hasn't. He's, he's lost that. He's lost that somewhere. Melvin wasn't doing it. He wasn't presenting something on stage where you go. If in two more weeks it'd have been great. Three more weeks would be great. It was always the best he could be from memory. Seeing him on stage, it's just obviously at the time. The other bodybuilders that just had that little bit more, and that's what we talk about: stage polish and being a little bit better in terms of the physique and how it appears. Again, if he had the great, if he had that super dry, gnarly look. His presentation would have had him at number one, number two. Uh, it was always going to have that kind of nice, nice shape, tiny, you know, the, the, the muscles look full, they look filled out, etc. but never gnarly, never super ripped, super dry. Maybe that wasn't it for him, and maybe he would have had to do a kind of crazy level of PEDs and put the stuff up there. We'll start talking two, three grams a week of everything and start getting into the 40 IUs on the, on the growth and the 20, 30, 40 IUs on the insulin just to get to that level. I think it would have changed his physique too much. And whatever aesthetics he had, that drop would have disappeared. There would have been added another four or five inches to his waist. He'd have got heavy looking. So he he was doing the best he could with what he had, but was just able to present it probably better than anybody else at that time. I can't think of anybody on stage with him when he was on stage that was as good a presentation. Vince Taylor before, but Melvin was just after Vince Taylor in terms of Coming on stage and showing you how that shit was done. to you, Steve. Another
0: thing i I think that I'm gonna add here as well, mobster. Now that we're adding some things, I think DMP would be something as well. I saw. I feel like DMP started getting popular um, yeah, in around was- around this time where it was like peaking and. DMP guys, a uh, really really nasty chemical. Um, you know, it's like it's like this yellow powdery stuff and you know i've taken it before i don't know if you've taken it mobster but the stuff just it makes you feel like hot like you just feel hot on the stuff it's absolutely brutal and the uh, some of the things that i've heard in the pot and the some of the things some of the things i've heard in the past about dmp is that the russians during world war ii when they were fighting in europe in the cold they used dmp because dmp would keep them warm <laughs> so that was one of their one of the things so this stuff is actually absolutely brutal i would never recommend anyone go near it but right. i feel like these guys around this time think about it it's cheap so it's a cheap option and you know we're gonna discuss the cost i'd say this cycle guys a cycle like this is going to cost you in the thousands It's going to cost you a thousand. The HDH alone is going to cost you a fortune. I mean, that amount of HDH. And I feel like in this situation, this guy competed at a high level for six, seven straight years at the highest of highest levels. So you got to add up how much he spent on these PEDs during that time. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, how can you afford all that just working at a hotel? So now you kind of see why you hear about bodybuilders getting busted for this, getting busted for that. It's like they have to do that to make ends meet. And then the crazy thing is a lot of these steroids they're taking, you know, a lot of them are underdosed, fake. So it's like they got to like, also, they're paying for stuff that's not even good quality steroids, but they have to do that. They have to buy the steroids off a of buddy to save money, and that buddy may not be providing them quality steroids. So it's it really sucks. It really, really sucks. and that's why you see a lot of bodybuilders broke after bodybuilding, you know, because they you can't make a living at it. So yeah, jump in mobster and finish us up
1: couple of words of advice here guys and it's surprise especially to our average shows not your genetic freaks and would-be competitive bodybuilders but your average show there's a couple of ways to, to think about this one is and this is why people get busted of course i will pay for my steroids or any other drugs for that matter if that's your thing not something we're very keen on of course here on the podcast um by selling other drugs so that i can pay for my drugs and it's a slippery slope, guys. You've really got to get a handle on that stuff. Sorting out a couple of buddies is one thing. Becoming a steroid dealer or whatever else is something else entirely. You. you are making a decision that could end up with jail time. You're making a decision that could end up with losing your house, losing your car, whatever else. So we kind of get that, and you need to have a handle on that stuff and understand it's where you're going. Now, in terms of advice, here's the trick, right? We sometimes see on the forums questions like, I have this. And I want to use it the best way. And they'll say, they'll describe, like, say, two vials of testosterone. You go, okay, what's the purpose of your cycle? What? Let's tell us something about yourself. If you're an overweight fella, you don't need to use any of that stuff until you've got some of that weight down. And why have you just got those two things? And that's, it, you can't start opening up the cupboard in your larder and coming out with a, a bag of flour. You're going to need some other ingredients, guys. So the trick, and I'm thinking back to Paul Boris. Paul Bryson would come up with these crazy cycles if you win the lottery cycle, if you get divorce cycle, if the missus is getting on your fucking tit cycle. One of the pieces of more sensible advice that he come up with is quite simple. He would say, save up your shit. And by shit, I mean PDs. Do one perfect cycle a year, eight, 10, 12, 14 weeks, whatever it is. My preference is always going to be for less, but some of you guys run this stuff longer. But save it up by a few vials of tests now buy some trend later on, put your stuff to one side, get a cooler box, put all the things you need for the perfect cycle, get your post-cycle therapy stuff together, start filling your freezer up with a steak. Now, you're going to need to adjust your diet afterwards, I've talked about that on the forum, but start thinking about these things way in advance, three, four months out from the cycle, start getting stuff together. Don't wait until you've got $1,000 or $2,000 spare. $250 a month, buy it, buy 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 put it all together now, now run it. So you don't have to do, you don't have to be like a professional bodybuilder when you're gonna to need to take gear all year round. You're gonna need five, 600, a $1,000 a month all year round. That the minimum a professional bodybuilder is doing is a $1,000 a month, minimum. And we know numbers like 50, 60,000. We heard of six figure cycles, for the crazy, crazy, crazy stuff when you're not gonna earn six figures. If you're not that for pro, if you're not getting a six figure contract, then what are you doing? spending five figures on a steroid cycle all year round. It's just going to make $50,000 just to get ready for the Mr. Olympias. That kind of stuff is stupid. It's moronic. And most of us listeners, including me and we're not professional bodybuilders. So what do we do? We get the cycle together over a real long period of time with the spare bit of cash we've got at the end of the month. We're not taking nothing away from the kids, the house, the bills, the mortgage, all getting paid for. But we got a cooler session in the garage, a cooler session in the attic, whatever. And we're building up a perfect cycle. We're going to run 12 amazing weeks. Everything we need is there. And we don't end up in stupid situations. Trust me, again, if you haven't got a chance of being a professional, don't give up your day job. Don't stop going to university or college to get your degree. If you, if there's a chance of you becoming a doctor and being on six, maybe even second figures, do that. And then spend your disposable on your bodybuilding side of things. Get that other stuff sorted. I have never given up any job on the aspect of me coming to do expo work or give out advice on forums or train people on Instagram. It is not something that's going to give me six, seven figures a year. My bills are paid because I got the other stuff sorted. And then I will put my stash to one side and I will run my cycle. And I hopefully run my cycle properly. That's good advice. Get your shit. Don't just make up cycles with what you've got in your stash. Make your stash your cycle. Get you what you need. Go to the sponsors on the forums and buy exactly what you need. Wait till deals come. Get three for two on the deals. Our sponsors are doing deals all the time and get everything together. And don't just buy something because it's a deal of the month. Buy it because you want that in your next cycle. That might mean, the only thing I would probably leave to the last minute, Steve, just because I'd want that stuff as short dated as possible would be the peptides, the insulin, the growth, et cetera. And they're expensive, as Steve said already. We get guys coming on the forum talking about running growth, and we've seen people ask about growth for four weeks. No, 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 no. You need to run that stuff for three months. You need to run that stuff for 12 weeks. So that is definitely something we put the money to one side for. Then buy three months' worth and stick it in the fridge and run it properly and do the three months worth. That would be the one thing. Everything else with the two year shelf life or more for uh, most of the oils and the alcoholic based, uh, alcohol based should I say uh, steroids, you, you, you could be buying that at Christmas and then using it next September, October. So that's fine. Do that properly, get everything together. Make sure it's not gonna fuck up a holiday. Make sure you're not stinting the kids on Christmas presents. Make sure you're paying all your bills and then bang, now's the time to run that perfect cycle. And if you're going to do that, guys, one more tip, one more. (laughs) I don't want to see none of these posts, but we're always going to see them on the forums about getting into shape for a holiday that's coming in four weeks' time. Now, plan this cycle now for next summer. And then when summer's coming, start the cycle in the spring. So you are beach ready when summer comes, not nearly beach ready and just thinking about the cycle. Plan ahead, guys. That's the 100% piece of advice you're going to get. Plan ahead. Buy ahead, get it ready, and then when it comes, run it perfectly. Get do a consult with Steve, talk to me, ask on the forums and get this stuff perfectly ready. Way ahead of time. Ask all these questions now on the forums. Listen to this podcast, come on the forums, ask these questions and get everything ready in advance. So when the time comes, you are 100 percent on point. Your PDs are on point, there's stakes in the freezer, the tans of tuna are sorted all these kind of things, and then bang, go into that and do it perfectly. And then, of course, hit the perfect PCC right afterwards and keep all that muscle tissue by listening to me or my bloody tips, Fred, back to Houston.
0: Yeah, and it makes you wonder about pro
1: athletes, you know, uh, about – I don't le- think sometimes they think like this. Because you've yeah. got those kind of genetics. I don't think they – Money as well. If you're going to spend 50 sixty thousand on a Mr. Olympia, do you have 50 sixty thousand handy? Do you had you had you pulled 50 sixty thousand out of that pro contract? No. Now you're in a position where they are, where they've got to find two thousand dollars or three thousand dollars for some growth. And, and again, if you've got those kind of you genetics, have to I'm win thinking,
0: because Mr. Yeah. Olympia, you know, this to get the sponsorships, to get that check from winning the competition, you have to. We Don't have you. to really win it. It, it like third place, fourth place, fifth place, sixth place. Nobody gives a shit. If you're sixth no. place at Mr. Olympia, they, Side they shit. give a shit if you're first place. So, you know, a lot of it too is, Hey bro, like, you know, give me some free HCH. I'm going to win this competition. I'm going to pay you back afterwards. And then yep. he doesn't yep. win it. And then he gets in bigger, and bigger in debt. You yep. know, and that's the way it's the way we're in you know, a lot of these industries. That's where it works in, in Vegas and with people who, who gamble. Or play poker, they borrow money. Hey man, I wanna get in this this poker tournament. Can you spot me a thousand bucks? I'll give you, I'll give you, you know, half of what I make. And then he get he goes in the tournament and he gets knocked out. He makes nothing. And then now he's he owes that guy a thousand dollars. So that guy is gonna chase him to the next tournament and wait for him to win. And then as soon as he wins, he's gonna be right there, be like, Hey, remember my thousand bucks you owe me? So in the end, you can't win.
1: You can't win. Especially if you come from Melvin's previous background, that element, those potential situations, are going to be much, much higher. I mean, it's 100 it's, percent. It's I, I can think of maybe a handful of bodybuilders that are going to get six-figure contracts, and it's year round. Victor Martin is only just now, I think, after 10 years plus, with his sponsor, moved on from that sponsor. And that includes, I believe,' we've just got time he had to go to prison because of the issues with his visa. Right. Very, very, very rare to see guys doing that length of time six figures five figure six figure contracts. so I can understand how that works for some guys, and again, you really i i would I would I understand almost the element of a younger person with some good genetics being in a position where they think they're going to win a competition, they're going to do real well, and they persuade their buddies as you just said, Steve, to come on side. i, I My preference would be the other way around: go out and earn a salary. Get your qualifications, get your five, six-figure salary sorted. Don't go crazy on the mortgage, don't go to Bermuda every friggin' year, don't buy the latest car every year. And now you've got maybe, I don't know, two, three thousand dollars you can set aside for a cycle. Kids are gonna get their PlayStations or Xboxes. The wife gets the great kitchen she's always wanted, and you still got some money left over for a steroid cycle. Now, if you're not gonna be a professional body, what are the way you running is risk for? But, yes, that drive, that obsession, and sometimes the situations you find yourself in, that's why we're talking about. And, of course, bodybuilding reflects society. I don't know necessarily what Melvin was taking versus what he got caught with. So just because he got caught with some ecstasy bills doesn't mean he was getting higher. But let's roll those dice. Let's say that there's going to be bodybuilders out there that use recreationals. Trust me, guys. You're not making good decisions when you're high. No one makes good decisions when they're high. And if you're doing this kind of stuff, it can—it's it, so easy to get into that. They say, "I'm going to give you a thousand dollars. Can you drive this stuff up the road?" Thousand thats just—that's a, a, a month cycle for me. Ah, oh, yeah, sure. It's only going to be a couple of hours work, And the next thing you know, the feds are pulling you over, and you're getting cuffed, and you can't say nothing, and you're going to prison for a thousand fucking bucks for your for your share. It's got to be serious, serious, serious. It's like we see these stupid situations, Steve. And this is away from the whole drug situation and whatever else. When people get arrested because they rob some post office or, or, or whatever the hell you got in the states for two thousand dollars, they go they go to some Kmart and they get done for two thousand dollars. I ain't going to jail for two thousand dollars. I'm not that high. I'm not doing addictive drugs that get me two thousand dollars. If I were going to go to jail, I would go to jail for twenty million dollars. I want to go to jail for hundred million dollars. So do not want to go to jail. For, for a fraction of my year's earlier, That's just stupid. So this is a sort of situation, guys. And people do silly little things, and you don't need to. And it's I can understand, like I said earlier on, when we're talking about drugs, hardcore, hardcore. we talk about drugs every freaking week. Every podcast is about drugs. But we're not sitting here injecting stuff where we talk to you. I've not got people banging on my door asking for pills. Uh, that's a slippery slope, guys. Just because there's an, an element of bodybuilding, especially now, where it's much easier to find out this kind of information. We can find out people's prison records online. We can find out if they've been arrested, if they've been charged, if there's cases against them online. And it's very easy to get the impression that's what this shit is like all the time. And so, therefore, you start doing stuff like a dealing and, and transportation and that. And, and it sounds like, this, well, everybody's doing it, so why shouldn't I do it? That ain't the case. So most of you guys, go do your college. Go do your university. Get up the ladder at work get better position at work work to the point where you've got the disposable income or as i said even if you just on normal salary set this money to one side and go off and buy it or like i said already set a little bit of money aside every month and buy a little bit every month and do that one perfect cycle maybe two a year and go down the stuff hardcore it might not be That sensible it is. So let's keep, we want to keep you out of prison. We want to keep our listeners listening. I don't know if you can listen to us in jail. That is the.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we're not saying like, I feel bad because we're not saying don't go in bodybuilding. You could pursue bodybuilding, guys, for sure. Pursue it. If you've got the genetics and the drive for it, but you have to also focus on your education. The nice thing about bodybuilding is you can weight train an hour a day and get great results you don't have to just spend your life you know in the gym spend eight right. hours a day in the gym no so you could still pursue your education pursue a career and then bodybuild on the side and if it becomes to the point where yeah i can just focus full-time on bodybuilding that's great but right. I, but i mean it's not necessary so i don't understand so instead of choosing the wrong path to supplement your income Choose the right path, guys. Put your don't put yourself in a situation like Melvin did, where you have to break the law repeatedly
1: yeah. just and to go to reach, jail, just and to reach. Time. Yeah, and, because and you're not. You're, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah not, not 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 snitch, as he said, not grass, not not have to give statements to the police to get your sentence reduced, not being in any of those kind of situations. Because then you pay too high a price. Listen, I'm the next. I'm the same as what Steve is. And the same as pretty much every foreign person I can think of in terms of we all have that same dream. We all want to be the world's greatest lifter, the world's best strongman. We all want to get paid for what we do. Of course we do. We're not doing this podcast. It's, 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 it's this of thing. There has to be an element. But equally, if we have a 100,000 listeners, 90,000, 990, 990 something would be like. Average Joes that want to get in shape, that want to be lean, that want to go to the gym, that want to smash the weights, right? But some of them are going to be working in, 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 in office jobs, some are going to be working in factories, some are going to be working in the military, in the police or whatever else. So this body becomes a hobby. But w- w- So I don't want to sell you the dream, guys, but have you go to jail. I don't want to sell you the dreams, but have you have to sell drugs to get there. I don't want you getting pulled over by the police for this stupid stuff. I want, if you stay out of jail, you can keep training. If you stay at a jolt, you can afford to buy these things, but do it right, don't do crazy shit and go to prison for stuff like this. Melvin paid that price, gets the ass because he comes out and everybody else is suddenly avoiding him like a plague because they probably think he's got some, some, what he's got is contagious. And so he lost some friends, he lost some people that he thought he was trust. He lost people whose backs he would have had had the situation been reversed. And that's probably what upset him more than anything else. People who should have been on site and should have understood the situation because they'd been there, they'd been arrested, they'd been charged, they given stuff like that, and they got. And I can understand, that. but that's one of those facts of life kind of things. Leslie guys, you 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 make a mistake, you will see who your friends are—the ones that still keep in touch, the ones that come to visit you in, in prison, the ones that have your back when you come out of jail, the ones that go out and buy you a beer and get you a meal and help you set your life back together again. Those are your true friends. So that's one of those lessons that he did learn. Uh, Fortunately, I have he didn't, he didn't well, the, the video that I'm thinking of Steve with Dave again, he didn't look like he lost a ton of muscle. Um, so yeah, keep it together guys. Keep your heads on, uh, pound the weights, be patient. I'm always talking about patience in my, my comments on, on online. Add the five to 10 pounds of muscle a year. You're gonna be a monster three pounds of muscle here, three pounds of muscle there, two cycles here, boom, six pounds, 10 years, 60 pounds, you name it, we've talked about it. Training, keep it on point, keep your diet on point, and plan ahead with this stuff, get the gear together. If you do this right, Steve, I can see a lot of our our listeners putting together $2,000 over 12 months and running an amazing cycle, perfect. And and seriously, the the advice that we like to give out, that's 10 pounds of nutrition right there. And, and, and we would be the people that would be helping you to get that stuff together, to uh, get all the aspects in, in, in line, as they say, line all your chicks up, line all your whatever in line and have it all together so that you can then keep that muscle. None of us getting 20 pounds on losing 19 pounds. We want you to do this stuff. Ducks in a row. Get all your ducks in a row. Get it all sorted. That's the stuff that we're on. We talk about hardcore because we're talking about professional bodybuilders, professional athletes here. And what they need to do and some of the risks that they're taking is different. You're our listeners. We love you.
0: All right, mobster, take us into the disclaimer. Great show.
1: Always, guys, please note we're not doctors and the opinions are ours and ours alone. It is our view and it's based on our experience and views on the topic that come from many years. Our podcast as, as always for informational purposes and entertainment only the freedom of speech and the first amendment applies